Hello everyone, welcome to the Talking Pharmacy podcast where we look back at events in pharmacy over the past week. My name is Richard Thomas, I'm the editor of Pharmacy Magazine. Joining me on the pod this week are Rob Darricott, editor of P3 Pharmacy, and Neil Trainus, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist. Arthur Walsh is away. Lots to talk about as ever, but before we do good week, bad week, let's discuss the LPC conference. It took place on Wednesday, held virtually for the first time. Uh, Rob, what did you make of proceedings? Uh, yeah, morning, Richard. Uh, yeah, I thought it was some good bits and some not so good bits in a way. Uh, did we learn anything new about the current state of discussions? Uh, not really. Um, I think we might talk about a little bit about that a bit later on uh, in Good Week, Bad Week. I thought the most interesting bit, actually, was the uh, the breakout presentations uh, that were running over lunchtime. So we had three three presentations from um, various aspects of, of new services or pilot services or developments being supported uh, locally. And um, PCNs, the, uh, the GP uh, pilot on CPCS, um, and the uh, TCAM uh, service pilots. And I thought they were really well put together, uh, a great 15 minutes on each. Uh, so well done to the local uh, guys who, uh, who did put those together. And I thought that um, out of all of that, really, given some of the things that we talked about in the past and highlighted as a key concern with the, with the sort of right review, what happens to LPCs? It was a perfect showcase of really how having important, um, an important part of the of the system, which is looking after and supporting contractors in in delivering new things, uh, is is really vital. And so, hopefully, in a conference which was about, in part, about the right review and what happens next with representation of community pharmacy in England, that's an important thing to have had running as part of it you know that there are places in the country where local leaders and contractors are getting together to implement something whether that's a test or a rollout and that those things are really that's some really important messages in there about how challenging rollout can be and that it's not just a case of everybody just deciding on a Monday we're all going to do something different so I, I thought that was a really really good bit of it all to be honest. What did you feel Neil especially about the right review? Well, I, I, I perhaps went into it with expectations that probably were unjustified. I mean, we're all, we're all quite um, maybe excited is too strong a word, but anticipate, anticipation is there, you know, as to how these uh, reforms are going to um, eventually unfold. And um, Michael Twig, who was assigned to, to um, assess the, the reaction of, uh, of um, uh, you know, various stakeholders to the, to the to these reforms, uh, came came back with these findings, and there wasn't. Uh, maybe it's a bit too unfair to say I was disappointed with the findings, because the findings are the findings, and they, they are what they are. You you, you go with the flow, um, but there weren't it weren't too many surprises. I mean, uh, the first thing it was that nobody, according to Michael Twig, you know, no one came back and said they at this stage it's just scrap it. Everybody's kind of happy to keep going with it, so no, there are no real concerns in that regard. Um, but a lot of a lot of what he came back with didn't seem to have 
much detail to it, much substance. You know, yes, there's a working group that's going to push these uh, reforms forward. Uh, and above the working group, there will be a monitoring group or an oversight board that's going to make sure that it's the working group is doing things fairly and transparently and it's all pushed through smoothly. We don't know. There's just I, I came away from it with more questions than, than sort of answers, really. Um, as I said, maybe I was expecting too much. Um, you know, questions like, you know, who's going to be sitting on the working group specifically? Who, how many people are going to be on the working group? Perhaps, arguably, more importantly, who's going to be on the um, oversight board? You know, who, are, are there going to be multiple representatives and independent representatives? If so, what proportion of, wit, of, of who on there? That's These are quite important questions, and I, I suppose they're still ironing these things out, to be fair. Uh, it's, we're still at an early-ish early stage, but, you know, these reforms are so important that I just perhaps... I, I feel that they, we should be a little bit more... Um, further down the road with them a little bit. What came out after uh, Michael Twigg presented his findings was that um, the PSNC said, well, OK, these are the findings. What we're going to do now is we're going to come up with a, uh, a plan and we're going to come up with a draft proposal and we're going to put that out to, for views. And it, I, I was... Okay. It was kind of that kind of reaction, if you see, you see what I mean. It, I wanted a bit more... As I said, maybe I was expecting too much. I wanted a bit more from it. You know, I wanted this. You know, this is this is these these are the proposals that we think are going are going to we can actually take forward that are uncontroversial, that won't cause too many problems. And let's go with these. And this is what we're going to go with. And on this, and on the other side of the uh, the argument, these things perhaps not we haven't quite sorted. There wasn't enough detail for me in there. Um, yeah, there were there were some good there were some good things. Um, uh, GP referral services added to the the uh, community pharmacist consultation service and the Discharge, discharge medicine service in January. Though that, that, that was all that that was all good, um, but as far as the, the review was concerned, it, I just came away thinking, oh, you know, wanted a bit more. I think. Yeah, it does does seem a progress does seem a little bit tortuous with the, with the right review. I suppose mm. it, it's it's important to to get these things right, and if it's yeah. if it's important, like it's important to take your time and get it right. But it, yeah, I, I think we all thought there might be a little bit more. Uh, kind of momentum injected into it, uh, into the process. Really, I didn't, I didn't get that from from the conference. Mm. But you know, overall, um, as a as a conference, a virtual conference, I thought it was a very interesting experience. Actually, very different. Yeah. We've reported on a, a few of these virtual conferences now, and I was pretty impre uh, impressed with the the platform that PSN used. A PSNC used to be honest. I, yeah. I thought it worked well. I mean, yeah, it's not like the real thing, is it? The 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 value in conferences like this, I always think, comes from what happens away from the main sessions. You know, the networking, the chats over awful coffee and, and stale Garibaldi's. <laughs> you know, it's that's that's where you get the value. That said, I thought it was a really good mix of, of planned and interactive content. I, I agree with Rob. The, uh, the the virtual breakout sessions that, that we could attend were, were very good. My spies that were in the other uh, breakout sessions said they were pretty good as well. So uh, all in all, I think it's pretty slick and well done to, to PSNC for that. In terms of what was actually discussed, well, you don't expect big announcements at LPC conferences, do you? Certainly on funding. Now that said, there was news about the next round of service developments, Neil, uh, like you mentioned, and... Um, the new educational framework for the existing workforce. So there's mm. some, some little nuggets in there. And, and I must say, I haven't heard such a positive contribution from the chief pharmacist, Keith Ridge, for, for some time. And in thanking the sector for its contribution during COVID, he mentioned clinical in the context of community pharmacy twice, maybe three times. And, and I thought there was a, 
a real change of tone there. So that's positive. No news on funding, unfortunately, which of course is what contractors are, are desperate to know about. But overall, plenty of important stuff was discussed nonetheless. Yeah, and I, I think as far as Ridge's, Mr Ridge is concerned, yes, it's always nice to hear congratulations and a well done but some some pharmacists might view that as you know shallow platitudes it's we want action rather than than, than the platitudes um fair play to PSNC yeah I, I think it's an improvement on previous LPC conferences for certain because I think people come away from over the years we know this don't we we've been to previous LPC conferences and we've come away thinking that, oh, that just wasn't very good really was it I think they've I know the pandemic has forced them into a change of how they've had to do it, but still, I think it's at least give them credit, uh, Simon Jukes and the team. I think they they the effort ten out of ten for the effort. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, these things are slightly strange. I don't know about you. Psychologically, I I find them slightly odd because you know you're you're sitting at your desk. You kind of tend to think everybody else is at the party without you, don't you? But of course, everybody else is sitting at their desks <laughs> as well. It's very uh, it's a very it's a very odd experience. But yeah, I, I much preferred sitting at my death than going to the TUC where it was held last year. What, what did you think of the, the overall experience, Rob? Um, I thought it was good. Uh, uh, I had spoken to one, uh, one person who was attending from another part of, the, the part of the world this morning who told me that they were able to do a couple of other Zoom meetings and, uh, and do some emails while they were at the, uh, in one of the breakout sessions. <laughs> so I'm not sure they were in the same one that Neil's, Neil's, uh, Neil's mate was in who, who gave him some some feedback but uh, a couple of other things first of all I, th- I thought uh, it was really great that Neil picked out in his report of the the right session um, this uh, desire not to have the usual suspects involved in the next stages I think that's an important message um, and that you know this desire to, to at least make sure that there are some new uh, voices around the table to to move this into the next stage um, Particularly, I think, because the next um, the next stage is going to be facing forwards, and so people who have got a uh, time and time and energy invested in the next ten or twenty years are very important in that process. Just to go back on um, go back on the chief pharmaceutical officer's contribution. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a massive program in there of change that he's that he's offering. It is being set out, I think, for the first time very, very clearly and very positively. But I think it also reflects, that was also reflected in the um, in the Q&A session towards the end, which showed how far PSNC had come in some of its thinking. I just picked out three things where three years ago, they would have been completely in the opposite, facing the opposite way where they'd come around. So uh, there's been a complete turnaround on, on Hub and Spoke from 2016. So they were against it then. They're now working with it uh, now. Um, there's a recognition, I think, both in the content and in the statements of the importance of local support for development and local support for contractors and local engagement with the NHS. Um, so the local isn't important line seems to have disappeared. And also, um, again, a complete polar opposite to where they were three or four years ago, a recognition, acceptance, dare I say, welcome to the chief pharmaceutical officer's suggestion that we're going to get over time we're going to get all community pharmacists um, trained up all those who want to be uh, trained up and functioning as independent prescribers and uh, three or four years ago the position was well we tried that in the 90s and it didn't work so I think you know I recognize that the PSNC 
in its thinking about what's important for the future has also moved on and that you know hopefully we might see a coming together like they've got in Scotland where broadly speaking the government stroke NHS on one side and the contractor representative negotiator on the other are hiding towards heading in the same direction broadly speaking which would be a great thing. Yeah and I I understand what contractors might think about what, what Dr Ridge said and, and what you said as well Neil but I you know, I go back to to my point about the kind of tone of what he said. And as Rob, you've just said, he outlined, you know, a very ambitious programme over the next period and also longer term in terms of getting people's clinical competences up to, up to speed, if that's what they wanted. Um, and maybe we can perhaps, maybe we can bury this NHSE thinks that community pharmacists aren't clinical line now because he couldn't have been clearer um, to me that community pharmacists in the work that they're doing that's clinical and maybe we can get over that little hurdle now and look forward um, perhaps more constructively and you know there's a lot of stuff that PSNC and uh, Dr Ridge were talking about which were in complete alignment the missing piece of the jigsaw of course is the funding and PSMC has clearly got a hard job with the Treasury there uh, to make progress. But overall, lots to be positive about. Contractors are still desperate to have the funding situation clarified, though. So let's do good week, bad week. Rob, who's had a good week in pharmacy for you? Yeah, thanks, Richard. Um, right, good week for me. Now, I was going to say Ad Miliband for his speech in the Commons on Monday or Tuesday, because if you haven't seen it, uh, it's definitely worth it. Long time since we heard a decent speech in the Commons on either side. This was about Brexit facing up to the Prime Minister. So that was a good week. Uh, it was also a good week for um, Chris Grayling, you know, failing Grayling, demonstrating that gross incompetence in a number of roles is no bar to bagging £100,000 a year job for seven hours work a week. Uh, but if I'm restricted to pharmacy, then I have to say I think it's been a good week for LPCs. Um, We've already talked about it in the in the conference, but I think uh, an LPC conference that um, provided an opportunity to really look at what LPCs were doing to support contractors um, that put them front and centre in the main body of the agenda was something that is, uh, you know, to me, a great thing to see. And I think we've seen some uh, some great demonstrations of what LPCs are about and can do. Um, power more power to their elbow. So for me, it's been a good week for them. Yeah, good call, Rob. Ed Miliband looked as if he had seven shredded wheat for breakfast. I mean, he was a man transformed, wasn't he? In the way he savaged uh, at the PM there. That was that was quite a performance. I, well worth looking out for. Uh, Neil, who had a good week for you, though? Well, my good week goes to Jeremy Meader at, uh, at Newmark. Uh, um, we all know Jeremy. He's um, he, he accused. Well, yeah, he, he went on the uh, front foot against Lloyd's Pharmacy, and, and, and fair play to him. Uh, Lloyd's Pharmacy's parent company, uh, McKesson, uh, launched. Uh, well, obviously, they've launched. They, they, well, they run the the Echo app, the prescription um, uh, app, and, and they uh, published an ad on Facebook um, advertising this app. Rather, rather unsavoury uh, um, uh, advert. This was. Um, um, as far as community pharmacy is concerned, um, it, I mean, it was basically saying that uh, why go to your community pharmacy when you can down, get your prescription um, through this app? Um, 
Me, Jeremy went straight on the attack and uh, accused um, McKesson of completely forgetting about their community, independent community pharmacy customers and attempting to take business away from them. Um, and who would argue with that? I think uh, good, good for uh, Mr. Meader. Um, we contacted uh, McKesson for a response and uh, they got back pretty sharpish with, a, with their response and, and telling us that they'd actually taken the ad down. Um, so uh, a positive um, result from uh, from what, what was it? Uh, to be fair, you know, yes, they are a business. I think they they are restructuring. Uh, there's a big restructuring going on there at the moment. We know uh, uh, possible redundancies on the horizon, and the bricks and mortar business is undergoing a, a something of a restructuring, and that's fair enough. Um, but Jeremy sticking up for community pharmacy, you know, don't how dare you take the business away from 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 what are what is the lifeblood of of the pharmacy sector? So good for Jeremy Meader. Yeah, Jeremy on the front foot and, and giving McKesson a good kicking. And I think, what was the quote from McKesson? They took the ad down because it was misconstrued, or they, they were afraid yes. it was being misconstrued, which is yes. an interesting line. Yeah, I mean, a, a spokesman for us said that they'd removed it from their channels. They were sorry um, that there was any potential for the message to be misunderstood, and that wasn't their intention. But they did, uh, they did say they're equally committed to providing all customers uh, with with whatever choice they want to, to, to take uh, for their prescriptions, whether that's a Lloyd's Pharmacy or through the Echo or through the app. Um, but they do value uh, their, uh, in the, um, their customers and they do value um, independent uh, pharmacies. So, um, you know, uh, fair play to Jeremy. And we got the response we wanted from McKesson. So I think everyone's a winner at the end of the, end of the day. So all, all, all's, uh, all's well that ends All's well, well that ends well, absolutely, okay. Richard. Yeah. Got that out eventually. Um, so good week. What's my good week? Good week for the flu vaccination service. Over two weeks in, finally, contractors know how much they, they will be paid for providing this service. £10.8, up from 9.58. There's up to one million of retained margin allowed. There's money for out-of-pharmacy provision, cold storage equipment. It's all in there. So at last, this ends the uncertainty over, over the money, uh, which is very welcome indeed. So it's full speed ahead. My bad week, is for the flu vaccination service. So given everything that pharmacy has to contend with here, £10.8 seems pretty derisory to me. And as for the fee being topped up with transition fund money, I think that's an ominous development. I mean, this is a service that's been running for, what, five, six years? Very successfully. There's nothing transitionary about it. And, and Alistair Buxton on Wednesday made it perfectly clear that this was not what PSNC pitched for. Uh, the off-site stuff, well, that fee isn't viable, isn't it? It doesn't cover backfill costs with staff, locums, etc. It doesn't go anywhere near. So it's miserly. And, and contractors are feeling pretty devalued and brassed off about it. And, and here's the thing. 1.7 million jobs provided last year, flu jobs, by community pharmacists. It could well be nearly 2 million this year. So at £10.8p, £10 that's a total cost of about £20 million. Now, Rishi Sunak, who at least had his flu job done in a pharmacy this week, well, his eat-out-to-help-out scheme, total cost, half a billion. So in the midst of a global pandemic, those priorities are all wrong to me. Pharmacy has shown it can deliver community vaccinations at scale. So as a public health priority, fund it properly, not like this. Bad week for the flu vaccination service. We probably shouldn't have been surprised, though, at the end of the day. I mean, it's... It's kind of inevitable, I suppose, wouldn't it? The government get proper funding for a for a really important pharmacy service. Yeah, no surprise. But I, I, you, I wonder about this transition funding. You know, they're topping it up from that. I didn't yes. think 
I didn't think that was the intention. And it's uh, is that a kind of you know a bookkeeping tidy net exercise, or or what's going to happen further down the line with that? Uh, Mike then kind of touched on that in his presentation mm. on Wednesday, and and the, it seems to be that they could be returning to that that pot of money in future years. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a particularly good thing. I don't know about eat out to help out, Richard. I think there's a I think there's a, a kind of perversity in some of the things that have happened a bit closer to the flu service for me. So I think we heard from uh, from Alistair that um, there'd been dis some discussion about whether pharmacy would get um, funded as part of this service for the PPE that they are meant to be wearing while delivering the flu vaccination service. And I mean, they couldn't have been talking about a huge amount of money, could they? But when you see what the government has spent on PPE to companies that nobody's ever heard of, 93.8 million to a company called Globus Shetland, 364 million it's spent on coveralls, including 240 million to a company called Unispace Global Health, and 23.9 million to a recruitment firm, and 122 million to a company that was created 44 days earlier by some men and two blokes in the Isle of Man, who, surprise, surprise, are involved in financial services normally. I mean, so there's chunky, chunky bits of money being splashed about, spaffed about, you might say, on PPE. And yet there's a debate about whether we're going to protect frontline health professionals doing a job everybody wants them to do to protect the country. And we're arguing over a, a fraction of what they've thrown out to these various organizations it's just included at the most bizarre of all a digital marketing agency in hammersmith got a huge chunk of this money it just beggars belief really what's going on here and so ppe to me as part of that that that's just crazy you know what on earth is happening um so it's it no it's a scandal it's a scandal i mean it, it, it kind of alistair um, explanation as well. I didn't quite understand them because their whole business case, it seemed to be, Alison made a big thing about it was on the full range of PPE, wasn't it? Aprons, gloves, you know, radioactive hazmat suits, whatever it was. And now, of course, you know, just, just stick a mask on. And, and, and Alison seemed to suggest that the, the change of the PPE was a significant change in their business case and it was reflected in the funding. That doesn't necessarily kind of make sense to me, but I will say, and Alistair did make this point as well, for goodness sake, everybody out there wear masks because uh, reports are coming in that, that some pharmacists, I'm sure it's a very small minority, aren't wearing masks when they're, when they're doing their flu job. So um, come on, guys, uh, get your masks on. Uh, Rob, who's had a bad week for you? Yeah, thanks, Richard. Bad week for me. Well, it's got to be testing, hasn't it? It's got to be national testing. You know, the Serco Test and Trace Scheme. I mean, what on earth is going on with that? So, I mean, fortunately, I haven't wanted a test so far or needed to, to go and get one, but I'm not entirely sure how that would happen, whether it would be available. I keep hearing people tell me, it's all gonna get better tomorrow. It's all gonna get better by the end of October. We're gonna be doing millions of tests. We're gonna be doing 10 million tests a day. We're all gonna be doing them at home. Um, just as a, as a slight aside, I just think that's still a mess. Just as a slight aside, um, we've had in the house uh, this week, we've had a, uh, we've been 
one of us has been in, invited to be part of the um, some of the research and they've had to do a COVID test as part of the, I guess, measuring sort of background prevalence and all this kind of thing. The test was fine. Doing the test was no problem. The more challenging bit was trying to get the results into the website because even that didn't work properly. I mean, that must have taken 45 minutes reporting whether the lines had appeared on the little test thing because the website kept crashing. And you just think, gosh, you know, am I surprised that happened? No, because the whole thing to me seems to be from A to Z, a complete mess. So testing, still not great. It's not great. It's gone from bad to a hell of a lot, lot worse, really, the testing situation at the moment. Really, really concerning as we perhaps face a, a second wave or certainly rising incidence of infections. Um, I guess you'd agree with that, Neil. Was that a bad week for you? I won't mention our friend at the Department of Health, the chap I always seem to mention. I won't give him any more of a knocking because I don't... Yes, you're banned. You're banned. banned from doing that. But I can't let the government get up. You know, the testing is absolute, And it's more lies. It's more lies from the government on the number of tests being carried out. We had Robert Buckland, the Justice Secretary on the on the news the other day, saying that 350,000 tests are being carried out each day. And that's not true. That's just not true. That's the capacity. Yeah, they have capacity for 350,000 uh, tests. They're not actually carrying out 350,000 tests. And I, it, just, it just completely drives me nuts. It, 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 it insults our intelligence. Um, they think that we're all idiots when we're not. Um, and, um, you know, and, and Mr... Well, I have to mention his name. Matt Hancock, he did say that, you know, the UK's COVID testing system is facing operational challenges. That's how he described it. Well, I think that's understating it, Mr Hancock. You go to Bolton, which has the highest rate of infections in the in England, and you can't get a test in Bolton. Um, you've got people going to I think the other the other day over a hundred people turned up at an A and E department asking for a test. It's complete carnage. Uh, not to mention the numerous reports of people having to drive hundreds of miles to get a test. Uh, one newspaper uh, reported that staff at a Coving testing site in London told people that they could jump the queue if they pretend they're from Aberdeen. That's right. Put in an Aberdeen postcode. Put in an Aberdeen postcode. How ridiculous. This, if this wasn't such, if this wasn't such a serious subject that we're talking, because we're talking about people's lives here, yeah, this would be, Mon this is Monty Python-esque. This is the dead parrot, isn't it? I mean, this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, so uh, it, it's, it has to be. I was actually rummaging through the, you know, research for, for a bad week and I was going through all these uh, different bad weeks and that could be quite good. But I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't avoid the government on this. The, the testing has been an absolute, and it's getting worse. It's getting worse. And they're lying. They're continuing to lie to us. Uh, look, the, the testing situation is, like I say, really, really concerning as infection rates go up. No sign of a vaccine, might not yeah. be a vaccine. The testing needs to work. There was a picture in the paper today of the testing centre in uh, Guildford. I think it's by the hospital. It's quite near where I live. And the, an aerial shot of the car park, no one in it. Not a single person yeah. in it. So, yeah. oh my goodness, they need to, they need to sort and this it, out. And it just reminded me, just, got, just briefly, you know, this, as, this, as this, you know, farce unfolds and continues to unfold, and I know we're talking about pharmacy needs to be resourced and, and needs to be funded to do, to do the extra work. We've, we talked about that last week, which is absolutely, we all agree with that. But I just thought, you know, with a bit more planning right at the start of this pandemic, 
planning is the word, you know, I just thought, well, maybe, possibly, with remuneration and, and resources, you know, maybe pharmacies could have done some of these swab tests. Maybe they wouldn't have to, people wouldn't have to drive hundreds of miles to get a test. They, beyond, this is beyond the realms of fa fantasy, I know, but perhaps people in, hard to reach people in some of these communities could have just taken a stroll to their local pharmacy and got a swab test. But no, of course, we're not in that situation, are we? No, possibly... Well, wasted opportunity, though, of course, I guess it's the, the labs as well. There's a backlog at the labs is the problem yeah. as well. So, yeah, yeah but it, it, it's a complete mess and it's actually becoming a, a, a scandal and it needs to be sorted out. Right, Neil, I think you better have a, a lie down now before, <laughs> before any other business. <laughs> so, any other business. Actually, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy Bad Week because... Uh, Rob put you under pressure there, Indeed, didn't you? I know. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. You, you both are testing. We enjoy putting each other under pressure, you don't we? On both are testing for a bad week, <laughs> so that's quite funny, right? And, and Neil's had a lie down for five minutes, so let, let's uh, let's do any other business. Right, I... Still, we, we, could, we could promise to increase the amount of testing in this podcast next next week, and everybody will believe us, won't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm not saying that, though, Rob, but... <laughs> don't hold me accountable. But listen, any other business... Um, I've got one, and I want to go back to the LPC conference where we started. Um, how much time, guys, did you spend looking at the backgrounds of the PSNC executive team? And I spent a lot of time looking at the backgrounds. And the prize for the best background definitely goes to Alistair Buxton. He must have spent ages arranging and rearranging his record collection and Bose speakers. Proper LPs too there, so really impressive, Alistair. Closely followed by Gordon Hockey who had a background exactly like you'd expect. He looked like he was in his study. He was homely, files everywhere, possibly a bit cluttered. Uh, perfect for Gordon, that. Zoe looked like she was in the PSNC bunker, keeping a firm hand on proceedings. Simon, giving absolutely nothing away, which you want from a chief negotiator, really, don't you? True. Uh, I can't remember Mike's, Mike Dent's background because he made my ears bleed with a truly spectacular bit of feedback. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I love looking at people's backgrounds. I listen to what they say as well, absolutely, obviously, absolutely. but you know, their, ba yeah. their backgrounds fascinate me. can be very distracting, I must say. Yeah. Uh, but Alistair, yeah. Particularly a good bookcase. Always yeah, yeah. Alistair's look very minimalist and, and, and really quite stylish, actually. Yeah. Um, Rob, any other business? Uh, no, I, not really. But it has been a great week for foraging. So uh, very early the last this week, it's been the week to be out collecting stuff for um, for homemade homemade things like sloe gin. So we've been out foraging, and we've been collecting sloes and rose hips and uh, and stuff like that. And not a moment too soon, because obviously with lockdown still in, uh, or certainly people taking a bit more care. One minute, the hedgerows are full. The next day, somebody's been through and they've nearly taken a lot. So if you want to go out foraging, you better do it quick because it's, it's all going. Are you, gonna, are you, are you launching a, 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 your own brand of gin, Rob? Are you, are you... Uh, yeah, we could do. Do you want me to put you down for a couple of bottles, Neil? Sure we could organise a decent rate. The Daracot, the Daracot to vintage uh, uh, gin? Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, before we get stuck into the slow gin, we'd better bring this week's pod to a close. My thanks as always to Rob and Neil. The pod is available on the Pharmacy Magazine website and all your usual download sites. Just search for Talking Pharmacy. 
No pod next week, we're taking a short break, but we'll be back after that when Leila Hambeck from AIM will be in the interview hot seat. But for now, thanks very much for listening.